Howdy. That's Texan for hello. This is Series 10 of Satisfied. The Series 10 podcasts enhance the Heartbreak to Hope Bible study, covering the Gospel of Mark in the New Testament. I'm Melanie Newton, just an everyday kind of woman who loves the Lord and His Word. In the last podcast, We looked at how Jesus satisfies your heart with hope when you need healing and comfort. Today's podcast will cover Lesson 3 of the Heartbreak to Hope Bible Study. We will look at the truth that Jesus is with us in our homes and uses our homes to reach others around us. Picture in your mind where you live. Is it a house in a neighborhood or in the country? Is it an apartment? Or do you occupy a room of someone else's house? Home is where you live, where you do life together with family and friends. You may spend so much time in an office or in your car that you might feel like you live there. In our lesson today, Mark describes what takes place in two homes filled with real people in a real town. Just like that, You and I go home every day to real places surrounded by real people in a real town. The real town for Jesus was Capernaum. Mark wrote this, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Jesus made this town his home base for ministry to all sides of the Sea of Galilee. He made himself at home among his new neighbors, and he does the same thing with us. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 14. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Isn't that delightful? That means walking in the door of wherever we live, Jesus is with us. And what I think Jesus wants us to know today is this. We can experience and enjoy his presence in our homes daily and so can our house neighbors. What does it mean to walk home with Jesus? Let's look at the first real home in Capernaum, Peter's house, where the paralyzed man was healed. Scholars and traditions strongly hold that Peter's house became the house of Jesus. Whenever Jesus was in Capernaum, he walked across a small rocky yard through the front door into the courtyard of a large house and dwelled there with his new house neighbors. Who were they? For sure, Peter and Andrew, plus Peter's wife, let's call her Mrs. Peter, and Mrs. Peter's mother. Later in Mark, when the disciples were in the house arguing about something, Jesus took a little child in his arms. I doubt if he reached out the window and grabbed one off the street. So I think there were children in Jesus' new home. What do you think it was like for Mrs. Peter to experience Jesus' presence in her home? Of course, there were the fun things like great conversation around the dinner table. What about how he healed her mom? That's answered prayer, isn't it? Especially since she had so many men to feed. Jesus not only ate meals that she prepared, he also befriended her husband and discipled him to be a more mature man. And she got to learn from him herself as he taught in her home. Whenever he was present in her home, she could enjoy him. Before we begin to enjoy him in our homes, 
we must accept his continual presence as an absolute fact. I don't mean Jesus lives in the walls or ceilings of your house. You're not going to find him hiding in the closet. Nothing spooky like that. This is what I mean. When you and I hear the good news of Christ and put our faith in him, the Holy Spirit, who's called the Spirit of Christ, comes to live inside of you and me. We become united with Jesus Christ, one with him in spirit. For me, that means he lives in me and I live in him. When I am in my house, he's with me. When I leave my house, he's still with me. What I do, he's in on it. That's true for anyone who trusts in him. And get this, we can enjoy Jesus's presence even when life is not presently enjoyable. Sometimes life was a bit challenging for Mrs. Peter. For instance, the evening after her mom was healed, every sick person in the whole town was at her front door. How do you think she felt about that? How would you feel? If the townspeople in today's lesson were crammed into her house to hear Jesus preach, that would mean wall-to-wall -wall sweaty people sitting on her chairs and floor mats. Then what happens? Crumbled mud starts dropping down all over her floor. She looks up and sees four men tearing this huge hole in her roof to let their friend stretcher down near Jesus. What do you think she might have been thinking? Even if it wasn't Mrs. Peter's house, it was someone's house. What would you be thinking? Some of those sweaty people were likely friends whom she knew and liked, her street neighbors. Jesus may have healed some of them outside her front door a while back. They were interested or already believed in him. But some of Mrs. Peter's neighbors were not so nice. Here, Mark introduces us to some critical snobs called teachers of the law, who were like modern lawyers or seminary professors. For Mrs. Peter, these lawyers had traveled from all parts of Israel to prominently place themselves in her house, on her chairs, and cast their critical remarks. How do you feel about someone who always finds fault with you, who comes into your home to do the white glove test on your windowsills? All of these different kinds of people were in the presence of Jesus in Mrs. Peter's home. She needed to accept that reality. And there's one more thing. To enjoy Jesus' presence in your home means giving him permission to make it his own. For Mrs. Peter, it meant all her life. Whenever Jesus was in Capernaum, he and his disciples probably stayed in her house. That meant feeding a bunch more men besides her own. Crowds gathered at the door at mealtime so they could hardly eat before the food got cold. You'll see this in the next lesson. Later on, a church met in her home. Mrs. Peter needed to remember who made his home in her house, and so do we. When we go to wherever it is that we live, we walk in that door with our Lord. He wants us to give him permission to make it his own. Likely that won't involve having crowds of people crammed into your place and tearing holes through your roof, but it might. What do you do then? If you prayed about the place where you are now living, for what did you ask God? Something affordable? Comfortable? Near good schools? We pray God answers by providing a place. Then what? 
Do we consider that God has provided not only for our shelter, but also for his use? We have a picture that has been on our living room wall for about 35 years. This is what it says. This is the Lord's house temporarily occupied by the Newtons. Looking at this should remind me that Jesus gave us this place to live, but not just for our comfort and enjoyment. It is his home too. Am I enjoying his presence here? Does he have permission to use it to introduce himself to those who need to know him? Jesus was at home in Mrs. Peter's house. She believed in him. She experienced and enjoyed his presence. And while Jesus stayed there, he got to know his new neighbors, including the one who owned the next real home we are visiting, Levi. Now, Levi was on a get-rich-quick path of life. A tax collector back then was like a drug dealer today, except his business was legal. The Romans collected a tax on everything, including highway tolls and customs on any goods you carried through the city. That's what Levi was doing, sitting in his toll booth, collecting that money. To do this job meant that he was educated and could write in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. His job required that he carry an inkwell at his waist and some paper for making notes. That's important. Tax collecting was for the greedy. You could charge whatever you wanted above Rome's share to line your own pockets. So if you were a Jewish tax collector, you were considered a cheat, a liar, and a traitor. You were part of the scum of Jewish society along with the sinners who were really bad people like money changers, thieves, and prostitutes. Tax collectors were so despised that they were not allowed to attend synagogue or to testify in court. Remember that paralyzed man in Peter's house? He was desperate, but so was healthy, wealthy Levi. Do you live near someone like that? Smart, but hopeless? Jesus knew his desperate condition and offered hope by saying two words, follow me. Levi did that. So Jesus walked home with his new neighbor, Levi. Paul asserts in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5, that all the apostles had believing wives, so Levi was probably married. Let's call her Mrs. Levi. Her husband's disgrace extended to her also. No synagogue for her. The Jewish community shunned her. Perhaps there is someone in your neighborhood, even in your church, who has experienced this. She's married to a guy who has a prison record, who struggles with pornography, who is a registered sex offender, or is an alcoholic. How do you feel about her? How does she feel about herself? That's Mrs. Levi. If there was a Mrs. Levi, how do you think she felt when Jesus walked through her front door, arm in arm with her husband? We don't know, but something had changed her husband and it would change her life as well. Look at what Levi did to celebrate his new relationship with Jesus. He threw a big party. And look who he invited, guys from the office. Mrs. Levi was probably used to that. They stuck together and they brought friends, money changers, thieves, and maybe a prostitute or two. Jesus came with his disciples and those who followed him. Plus, look who else showed up. The Pharisees were listening outside the front door 
peering through the windows. Unlike Mrs. Peter's house, they would not have stepped foot inside this one. Wherever Jesus goes, people are always watching, asking questions. Those snobbish Pharisees saw him do the unexpected, eating with sinners. So they asked him why. Back then, eating with someone was a sign of friendship. So how could a preacher be a friend to sinners? Before those Pharisees would have eaten one bite of food with Levi, they would have demanded that Levi wash seven times in the Jordan River, plus completely sanitize his house. Even that wouldn't be enough. But that's not how our Jesus is. Sure, Mr. and Mrs. Levi didn't go to church to hear Jesus. They were guilty of sin in their lives, just like we are. And they needed God's mercy, just like we do. Mercy is God's amnesty. It's being pardoned and not getting the judgment or punishment we deserve. Who in your life is desperately in need of God's mercy right now? What about that woman next door or sitting in that office? We're supposed to allow Jesus to use His presence in our lives and homes to reach them. Perhaps your own house neighbors need the Jesus living in you to extend mercy to them the kind of mercy you've already received from Him. And Jesus' presence brings new purpose. Levi became known by another name, Matthew, meaning beloved of God. That name certainly reflected his new identity. Mrs. Levi was no longer Mrs. Tax Collector, but Mrs. Matthew, also beloved of God. And Matthew had a new way to use his skills. His gospel is the longest one and records more of Jesus' teachings than the other authors do. In his own gospel, Matthew lists himself among the apostles as Matthew the tax collector. That reflects how he was known before and after knowing Jesus. And Matthew's account of this story records Jesus saying to the Pharisees, Go and learn what this means. I, God, desire mercy and not sacrifice. Mercy is what Levi needed. Mercy is what his wife and friends needed. Jesus offered it to them all right there in Mrs. Levi's home. To Mrs. Peter and Mrs. Levi, Jesus was God with skin on. He isn't here on earth in his body anymore, but remember his spirit comes to live inside our spirits so that even today, homes are central to Jesus' ministry on earth. Think about it. Homes were significant to Jesus. In homes, He taught and had discussions with His disciples. You'll see this throughout Mark. In homes, He ate with those who loved Him as well as with those who were skeptical of Him. In homes, women sat at His feet, listening to Him teach and tearfully pouring out their hearts to Him. Yes. Homes were central to his ministry then and are still important now. Do you think that way? Did you see the third home in today's lesson? In Peter's house, what did Jesus tell the healed man to do? He told him to go home. Why not to the synagogue? You know, go back to the priests and rabbis. What was at home? The people who loved him and cared for him. Who do you think enjoyed Jesus' presence more that day? The Pharisees? or the healed man and his family. Yeah, the man and his family. Jesus often told people to go home. Later in Mark chapter 5, he said to another healed man, 
Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And the man did that. Where do you live? And what has Jesus done in your life that your house neighbors and street neighbors and work neighbors need to hear? I heard one of my favorite teachers, Josh McDowell, say this, Relationships determine what we believe. We are talked into talking. We are loved into loving. We are related into believing. A loving relationship with God incites you to accept His truth. A loving relationship with a child stimulates that child to accept the truth by which you live. A loving relationship with a neighbor, a coworker, or family member just might stir that person to accept the truth that drives your life. That's why Jesus sent those men and others home. He basically said, go to the ones with whom you have a relationship and introduce me to them. We have just started this study of Mark. Maybe you're curious but not yet convinced about Jesus. Is the Holy Spirit drawing you today to commit yourself to Him? If the prayer of your heart is for Jesus to have mercy on you, a sinner, at this moment Jesus is saying to you, follow me. Say yes. And when you go home today, you'll be walking home with Jesus. Please don't leave this lesson without knowing for sure. If you're already a Christian, what are you going to do with this message? You can enjoy Jesus' presence in your life and in your home. Let Jesus satisfy your heart with hope, healing, and love as you get to know Him and trust Him more each day. Until next time, I'm Melanie Newton, and this is Series 10 of Satisfied.